0: Welcome to Mission Prep. Our guest today is the frontman and creator of A Dead Desire. His name is Moroni Silva. How's it going, man?
1: Good. <laughs> Thank you for having
0: me, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. So uh, we, we already kind of talked a little bit about it, but what are you doing in Boise?
1: Um, I came up to film an uh, orchestra performing a, um, a five-piece uh, quintet that I had arranged for the Hollow Song um, off of the new album, the the third album I'm working on, which is an acoustic album called "Thunder Rolling Down the Mountain." Awesome! It's, yeah, I was pretty pretty excited to be in the studio last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Utah. Mm-hmm. I was uh, yeah, born in uh, Logan, Utah, and raised in Bear Lake, Idaho.
2: Okay. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I moved to. Uh, Preston, Idaho, my senior year, so I could actually graduate high school. I was in a serious car accident my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And uh, my freshman year in high school I was in uh, Bear Lake High. I got in a car accident on my birthday, right at the week of finals. And uh, I, I didn't take the finals, so I needed seven credits to graduate. And the Idaho only offered five. Bear Lake, Idaho only offered five a day. So Preston, Idaho had... Uh, Seven in a in a day, so I had to pass every single one of my my credits. Mm-hmm. That's what it ended up having to add up to. Is I had to move to Preston. I had to pass every single class in order for me to graduate. So um, that's when that car accident is what actually got me addicted to opiates. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that was two thousand one, two thousand two, around there. And then uh, I had a thirteen year opiate dependency because of that because back then they didn't really talk about addiction they were just like oh yeah, yeah. here just give you more and more pills oh you're out of your prescription here let me just refill that for you and then all of a sudden I went to the doctor's office it's like i need another prescription they're like oh it looks like you're all healed up you know you're good to go we don't, we don't we no longer need pills and then <laughs> cold turkey it was like uh well i kind of need my pills so like i Find ways to hurt myself and stuff to, or like, if I knew someone who had pills, I'd I'd seek them out and stuff. But it ended up being an addiction for like 13 years. And then, uh, um, 2015, I went to, uh, the last year of that was to heroin because my insurance ran out. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, I I got it to the point for for my back, I had a refill of oxycodone. Mm -hmm. And I went to, pick up my prescription one day and they're like, oh, it'll be $350. And I was like, what? Jeez. What happened to five? Yeah, <laughs> you know, the insurance ran out and I ended up having withdrawals. And my, uh, one of my buddies was like, here, you can smoke some of this, you know, it's opium. I ended up smoking it and I bought some from like, when I ran out, I came back like a week later. And I was like, can I get more of that? And he's like, uh, can I get more of that opium? And he's like, Oh no, Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, the opium. I have some, some cheese, though, some black. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, heroin. That's what we were smoking. And I was like, oh. Oh, like. <laughs> well, I've already, I, I, I didn't even really get that upset because I was like, well, I'm already doing it. I did it for the last week. Why don't you just give me some more of that? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of did that for a year. And then it got really bad where it was, it was killing me. Like, the, I'd have to have it every, like, three or four hours. I never injected it. Mm-hmm. And I always smoked it. I was getting to the point where I was smoking so much that every three or four hours I would start to have withdrawals. So like at Ooh. night I'd have to sleep with it next to my bed. Uh-huh. So, I'd wake up like shaking and sweating and I'd have to hurry up and take a hit or two. And it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> and then, uh, I went, to uh, I went to an ayahuasca ceremony because I wanted to quit really, really bad in uh-huh. April. And then, uh, I, uh, Took the medicine with the intention of, of getting rid of my addiction. And during that ceremony I saw a dead body on the ground next to me to my left. And I look around, I was like, is anybody else seeing this? <laughs> I, I look behind me, there's like a girl like six, seven feet away from me, and she's like,
2: <laughs> <"Bleh!"> <laughs> like throwing up everywhere. I was like, whoa! Like <laughs>
1: Nobody's paying attention to this dead body. And I was like, well, well, who is that? And I leaned over. When I leaned over and saw who it was, it was me. Like, oh, wow. My skin was like gray and decomposing and falling off my skull. and My clothes were all tattered and covered with dust and like withered. And I felt like I was a part of the earth. And uh, when I realized it was me, I started having like what felt like a heart attack.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I felt like these three dull daggers like piercing my heart. And when I was about to leave my body, like, my forehead, there was this rose. It was like this flower that just bursted open just continually kept blossoming open. And this being, like with these wings, like bursted out. I was like, you need to breathe. I was like, what's going on here, my dad? And I was like, no, this is your addiction to heroin and opiates dying. But it's the exact same thing that will happen to you if you choose to use opiates or heroin ever again, willingly. Wow. So from then on, like after that day, I never had any cravings. Uh, I had a lot of triggers, but ever since after that day, I didn't have any triggers, any cravings, nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's where the name "a dead desire" comes from: is the desire to use heroin, and opiates is completely dead. That's a dead desire.
2: That's that's so, awesome.
1: Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't really know
0: where the name comes from, yeah. so I figured to get that one out of the way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Where'd you where'd you go for the ayahuasca ceremony? Uh, Mount
1: Shasta, California. Okay, so I've uh, heard of
0: people going like South America, stuff yeah, like that. Most
1: people go to Peru, but like if you go to Peru, you got to be Really, really careful, and it's extremely expensive. It's like two to $3,000, mm-hmm.
0: whereas
1: if you go to Mount Shasta, they're very humble in the portal of light. The mm-hmm. way they do it. It's $225 a person,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that covers the firewood. It covers the food that they feed you. It covers the medicine that comes from Peru and Brazil. It covers the volunteers. It covers the camping ground. It covers everything, mm-hmm. like that's insane for the 225 bucks. Yeah. You just come with your sleeping bag. you got to do the diet and everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know uh, Kevin, he's got pretty bad anxiety, stuff like that. What have your doctors talked to you about?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I have PTSD and, uh, you know, I have blast injuries from, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and everything. And uh, I actually had, I'd, after a bad panic attack, I had just, I lapped, was this in August. I had to get, I went to AFib, I had to go to the hospital And the cardiologist was like, have you considered psychedelics for this? You know, getting rid of, you're saying, getting rid of all that poison in your brain and and rewiring yourself. I'm like, it's refreshing to hear someone who's in mainstream medicine say, this is acceptable. This is much better than throwing other shit down in your body you really don't need. Oh, I've seen
1: stuff on the news about psilocybin being really helpful for that, but I also know from personal experience, I've been in peyote ceremony with the Lakota tribe before, and I've seen soldiers that come back that have PTSD, and when they take the medicine, and they also do it, ayahuasca, is, is basically, they're extremely similar. The ayahuasca is considered the grandmother, and peyote is the grandfather. Okay. The, the ayahuasca is really gentle in the way that it presents... Your issues to you and the way it heals with the grandfather's like, like, a, like, when it's masculine, it like forces you to like bring up the emotion and deal with it until you're pushed through it. And so it just depends on what you're more used to. Cause some people like the motherly love. Some people need the fatherly, you know, that, that guidance. It just depends. It's like all preference for the person. But people that do go to those to have PTSD come out like, feeling like they, they don't have that that like oh like like where something like startles them they don't they no longer get like really anxious to the point where like they can't calm themselves down because uh, I've heard that's like one of the main things about it is, is like something will start you and like um, I I've uh, Kind of the same issue because of the car accidents that I've been in. I was also locked up facing life plus 30 years in prison on some falsified charges from West Valley City Police Department. Okay. They tried charging me with seven felonies and five misdemeanors, and I spent six months in the ADC um, fighting those charges, not knowing if I was going to go to prison for the rest of my life for six months. It was just on a $275,000 bond. It was, like, extremely stressful on top of the... Car accident I was in, and I also was in a head-on collision in Washington at a sixty-mile-an-hour impact um, by a drunk driver. Jeez, that was twenty eighteen in August, wow. and uh, and I I still have like flashbacks and nightmares where I wake up and my entire bed is just drenched with with sweat, and it's like it's it's like oh. I, I don't know for a fact if I have PTSD, but everybody that I've talked to is like, you probably have PTSD because of the severity of the car accidents, both of them that you were in, and then the whole stressful situation with the West Valley City Police Department. Yeah. But I know from personal experience that ayahuasca and peyote, I've, I've seen things come up and they present themselves, like the the car accident, this last Uh, ayahuasca ceremony on the 19th of September actually was really beneficial for that because the grandmother, we had the medicine in her hands and she was like, talk to that medicine and and let us let it know what it needs to work on and so I was holding it and I was saying, well, I'm tired of like having these weird dreams about the car accident and I'm tired about feeling all this pain in my right leg because I have a big metal rod from the compound fracture in my femur that my, my um it was sticking out of my right leg, so they put a metal rod to put the femur back in, and hold it in place. Right. And, uh, so I was asking the medicine, like, could you please, like, whatever is holding on to me in any energetic connection from the car accident in Washington that's not from my greatest and highest good, could I just please release that? And I ended up having an extremely powerful, um, ceremony where I released a lot of these. I want... It's weird to try to explain this. Like, Native American entities that were in Washington that were helping me with this whole thing. That's where I was inspired to, to do... Uh, to put Chief Joseph on the cover. And the actual name, Thunder Rolling Down the Mountain, is Chief Joseph's actual name translated. That's what it stands for, is Thunder Rolling Down the Mountain. And, uh... When I was in the... The, the car accident, like... Um... Uh, there was, I was going somewhere with that. It was. Oh, yeah. So I was taking the medicine and I wanted to let go of any issues that were related to it. And there was three or four different entities that were still kind of lingering around me, like waiting for me to, to, to let go of it and the, for the opportunity to heal. And once those were gone, it was like those emotions and that weight was lifted and now I can actually move around and I'm not afraid to completely move my leg. And whenever I feel that pain, instead of oh, nursing it, I actually like push through it and start working with it so it breaks up that scar tissue. And it's really weird the way that the medicine they, like talks to you. Even after you're out of ceremony, whatever issues that cause the anxiety or that PTSD that you have, when it starts to happen, the medicine will be like, hey, 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 hey. This is how you work around that. You see that? And we'll show you how to, like, rewire your brain. And I guess it's proven that ayahuasca is, like, the strongest form for, for uh, what is it? It's, like, rewiring neurons and, like, neurological pathways. You can look it up. Yeah, like, there's
2: a, right. a lot yeah, of articles.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, rewires them and, like, it changes you just, like, at a core level. It's, like, the craziest things. It's really, really pure. And a lot of people are like, oh, DMT is kind of the same. Well, it's, it is kind of the same thing. Ayahuasca is essentially DMT. But when you take DMT, it, like, just blasts you out there for, like, 15, 30 <laughs> minutes. And it's so intense that, like, you don't really get to hold on to all the information. There's certain things that are really, like, profound. And are like, how can I forget that? You know? Mm-hmm. But, like, ayahuasca is when you take it, it's, like, anywhere from 4 to 12 hours. It's just, like... It's so gradual and just really easy with you to the point where it's like it shows you these lessons and you hold on to them. It's like you retain that information. You come back with a sense of healing and a sense of like just like, Mm -hmm. like you can breathe like that weight is gone. It's crazy. And, uh. Yeah, I just it saved my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of ayahuasca, I no longer am addicted to opiates, and I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Like, mm-hmm. There's all these benefits that have come with it.
3: Yeah, way, way more beneficial than just, you know, hey, put you on some SSRIs and let you work it out for six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then most people who are on those are still drinking and smoking weed anyway with them. So yeah. maybe just go down the real journey and really, you know, throw yourself in
1: there. Oh yeah, because that, that's like one saying. It's like the only way out is through. And the yeah. pharmaceuticals—they don't ever want you to be healed. That's why they're giving you the medication because they want you to keep coming back, so you rely on them to help you get through that. But if you are cured, then you no longer need to go to them and spend money on them. You—if you, you no longer do those those medications and you 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 go to the actual medicine, then you act, you face those issues and you go through. that that intense because it's intense like there's some stuff that's like terrifying and it's like most of us we numb ourselves whether it be by drinking or smoking or or doing whatever to like not deal with it some really big and intense "Ah, I'm going to go and drink or I'm going to numb that and then just push it away (laughs) but that just causes more issues in the long run so the best thing to do is is to acknowledge it when it happens (laughs) like just (laughs) <laughs> just sit with it for a little bit and be like, this sucks, but then focus on what's the best possible solution to get through it, and then once you actually face that, it's not so bad. Uh-huh. Like I saw this thing about a rabbi who was talking about a lobster, and how like the lobster, it uh, its shell never grows, but it grows inside its shell and gets to the point where it like it's too big for the shell, so now it's, like, got to the point where it's hurting. So, what it has to do is it has to find a, a rock, and it crawls underneath it, and then it breaks the shell off, and it, it sits there while it's exposed and vulnerable, and it heals. hmm And he was saying if, if that lobster, every time, like, he felt that discomfort, went and took a pain pill, he would never evolve. He would never grow. And so... The, he says that discomfort is the stimulus for growth it's the stimulus for change so if you're something that's like really just like uncomfortable to you just, the best way to do it is to face it and go through with it that way you can actually grow from that experience but mm-hmm. all of us have been programmed if <laughs> so you turn on any episode and it's like, it's like you see them getting off work and they crack a beer, or you see them smoking a joint or anything. And then when, when I see someone smoking a joint, I'm like, Man, I don't want to go smoke yeah. a joint. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you see someone I used to be like, when I see someone opening a beer on TV, I'd be like, my mouth would start to water. It's like, damn, like you know, like mm-hmm. a cold beer right now sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But like, it got to a point where I went to one ceremony and it was so intense, and I saw. All the spirits, like, they were spirits. I saw individual entities that I knew were alcohol. They came out of literally, like, every orifice of my body. Like, it was crazy. Uh-huh. Like, my ears, my eyes, nose, my belly button. I like, was puking. Like, it, it was like this ectoplasm that came out of every, everywhere. And it was hovering above my chest and my stomach. And I could see individual spirits. And I saw them get sucked up into the sun. They like, when they were burned up in the sun, I felt this weight off my chest. It was like, whoa, like,
3: that's insane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was like the fear that you experienced during some of those. Is that fear, do you think, is it really just like, representation of something inside of yourself yeah part of you well, what the grandmother tells us when you go to the ceremony and you feel
1: fear and you don't want to do the medicine that is an entity that can feel the medicine approaching and it wants to re- it's comfortable inside you it doesn't want you to take that it wants you to remain how you are so letter take at a later date it can take advantage of you okay. so when you when you let that that medicine go uh, take control over that you it finds it inside you and it brings it up and you purge it. There's like four ways you can purge there's yawning, there's crying, there's diarrhea, and there's vomiting. And a lot of people, like I had my first ceremony, I didn't purge at all, I didn't puke, nothing. I, I, I actually cried and I laughed. <laughs> 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 laughing is another way, actually, so there's five, I guess. But laughing, I was laughing so hysterically because just how profound it was It was just like oh my gosh this is amazing <laughs> like, it's so insane but after the one ceremony where i stopped drinking alcohol it was kind of funny because i had all these thoughts and i kept thinking man like that was weird i wonder what that was like all those spirits and everything and then i saw an article that i read this huge article about alcohol and the origin of the word alcohol and how it's arrived derived from the arabic word alcohol Yep. It's like A L K H U L and it's life eating demon. And so you have aqua vitae, which is the life water where you drink it, like kind of like the fountain of youth, you can drink it you get you, you're youthful. Then when you take Al Cool, the life eating demon, they actually the cool the K H U L they derive the word ghoul from that. Um so when you go to the restaurant, you look at where it says spirits, and then they have underneath it shows the alcohol or they say booze. Like it's it's all the spirit in that. So like for example, aquavita gives life life eating demon. For example, vodka. If you take rose petals and you set it in vodka and you step away for like an hour and a half, two hours and you come back, the essence of that rose of the rose petals will be Sucked out of it and just floating on the top is an essential oil that you can scoop off and tie topically for like health benefits. Mm-hmm. But if it's the same thing with us, we're just as living as that as those rose petals. So if, if we're absorbing this liquor, we're sitting there pickling our soul, and it being naturally pure tries to escape. So the best way to do it is to crack a hole in your in your aura your auric field and just kind of like kick it outside and but that little hole or that auric that in your auric field, whatever entities that are around in the area that you're in have the ability to go in and take control of you. And that's when people get really drunk, they black out. And that's when they've allowed all the entities in their area to make them like and then they're like they're violent. They do things that are completely out of character and people are like, remember what you did last night and they're like no i blacked out
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then when they're like well you were doing this and this and this and they're like oh i remember but usually when they remember it's like they're watching themselves do it from a distance yeah it's because their consciousness and their spirit is kind of like kicking it watching <laughs> them being controlled by these demons so when you're wake up and you have a hangover in the morning that the headache is there's a lot of things that it, cause the headache they're like the brain shrinking and growing again but also it's your spirit your entity is forcing its way back into your body and also purging trying to get rid of those spirits so it's comfortable back in your body it's such a Mm. it's
0: you guys have been there it's a painful process (laughs) it's like uh, so can you nowadays can you be around people that are drinking and stuff like that not even even care oh yeah Yeah, that's that's cool no trigger no
1: nothing like people like it's, it's, it's really weird. Like, I, there's been times that I go and perform in bars, and I, I've been asked by multiple people to come, hey, can I buy you a drink? And I'm like, No, I don't drink anymore, but I'll take like a Red Bull or a mm-hmm. water. And, and they're like, You don't drink anymore. I was like, Yeah, I haven't had a drink for like three or four years, however long it was at the time. And mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, and they look around, everybody mm-hmm. is drunk. Literally, everybody in the entire bar, they're like, I'm <laughs> like the only person there that's not drinking, yeah. and they're like, "Wow, like, congratulations!" And then they start thinking, "Well, why am I drinking all the time?" And it's because everybody does. Everybody's
3: programmed to it. Yeah. Every show you see, it's just, it's just, it's programmed there. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, like you're saying before, no one, a lot of people have a very hard time dealing with their shit because it's attacking their very ego. Oh yeah. You know, you get off work and you crack a beer, like you were saying. <laughs> it's like so. What you're really saying visually is. I am unable to deal with what I just did throughout the day. I may be unhappy with what I did. My job may not be fulfilling. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to put that all the way because the hegemony of our country says work, pay taxes, and die. So, I'm just going to crack open a beer and suppress it down. Oh, yeah. I'm going to relax and not worry about it.
2: Yeah. Well, I've yeah. always
0: I've always wondered, like especially when it comes to people in entertainment, musicians or comedians who you hear, they're sober. I've always wondered, like, that's got to be hard because… Your whole show. Everybody else <laughs> yeah. is not, and I've, I've always wondered how, like, because I know there's some people who have a hard time being around people that are drinking if they're trying not to and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So that's that's cool that you can be around it. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. There's there's I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, I'm not tempted to drink. There's some things that kind of that are just really kind of overwhelming. Like sometimes people don't know how how so that if they've had like 12 drinks, how potent mm-hmm. that is. So they come to like hi like right in yeah. your face and <laughs> yeah. they're talking really close like oh, and it's like nice thank you it's, yeah. I'm not trying to be rude because yeah. I always try to yeah. acknowledge every single fan or anybody yeah. that wants to talk to me but sometimes they're just like right in your face like oh. well, I, I actually <laughs> yes. I, I might
0: have been that I might have been that guy when uh, I saw you perform oh no no so, Actually, I wanted to tell this story to you because so <laughs> I had heard your single, The Vanity, on the X here. They're, they're pretty good to you, it seems. <laughs> yeah. And I had heard it and I always thought, oh, it's a good song. But live music just hits you different. Oh, yeah. And there was a show uh, the X put on, I think it was last year. It was like for autism awareness. Yeah, yeah. And everybody did acoustic. And the first... shim. Yeah, that was yeah, the right. headliner, and actually, so after the show, I I came and bought a T shirt from you, and I <laughs> I had been drinking, and I told you I was like, man, you should have been headlining that show. You were the best one. <laughs> my alcohol breath right in your face, <laughs> but no, you're totally good. So uh, me and my wife went to that. We we love live music, and I had like I said, I'd heard your single on the radio, but I didn't know much about you. And the first guy performed. I don't remember who it was. It was almost like rockabilly stuff. Uh, Reverend something. Oh, Reverend Roy or uh, Otis. Reverend, Reverend Leroy? Was it Reverend Otis? Reverend Otis, something like. Anyways, he came out. He was pretty good. Oh no, that Leroy. That, that's <laughs> a different bad. Uh, Reverend, yeah, it might have been Reverend Otis. Yeah, I, I think so. But he he was pretty good. And then faded Leroy. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and then when you came out. I remember because you had you, you wear like a mask, yeah, so yeah. a skeleton-looking mask, and I think you had said that was fairly new at the time. Yeah, that was the first the time I wore it. Yeah, publicly, so yeah. when you came out on stage, this guy comes out with a mask on, you have a towel, you lay it on the ground, you sit down on it, <laughs> and everybody in the crowd is like, what is going on here? <laughs> me, me and my wife were like, what is this? And, man, when you started singing, I mean, you blew me and everybody in that room away. And it was it was weird because everybody was being pretty judgmental, I would say, when you first came out. Like, the mask, and what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. And then you, you turned that room quick. As soon as you started singing, everybody – and I don't know how good you are at taking compliments, but everybody was with you then. Oh, yeah. And, I mean – I know my wife and I became fans right then like it was holy shit and you and you you had told some stories about why you wrote a certain song stuff like that oh, yeah. a little bit with your addiction stuff like that man it was just it, like I said live music just hit you a different way oh, yeah. and we were blown away and then so afterwards I'm like I gotta go buy a t-shirt I gotta support this guy and we came up and you signed it because we gave it to our son And which I told him you were coming today and he was pretty, he thought that was cool. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, man. And so afterwards I I went and found your music and I've been a fan. I I was telling everybody about your music after that show. I was like, you gotta check this guy out. (laughs) This guy, I mean, Kevin probably remembers. I I was telling everybody like, you gotta check this band out. They, <laughs> That's awesome. It, it was cool. But yeah, I was I was the one with the alcohol in my breath telling you how good you oh, were. No, you're good. Yeah, I think you probably should have headlined the show and all that stuff. But no, it was there's, cool. There's some people that are just like, it's like
1: overpowering. It's just like you'll know you'll know what you'll be able to tell if you see me like leaning back yeah. or yeah. like like kinda like that. I'll still be like friendly. I'm never I'm never really like what's the word? Like I'm never a dick about it. Yeah. I'm always yeah. just like I understand how it is because I was the same way it's yeah. Like I would get drunk and go and, and try to meet the artist and be like hey
2: man you yep. know? <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> but being on the other side of things like I went to the rock radio convention to kick it with David Draymond from Disturbed. Mm-hmm. same thing <laughs> happened to him I was sitting there talking to him and we were we were sober at the time and this, this person who's drunk as hell comes up he's like hey and it starts going off, and he's like He's got, like, this stink face on. Yeah. And uh, right after that, I'm like, hey, bro, is it cool if I get a selfie with you? And
0: I get a selfie with him while he still has that
2: <laughs> <laughs> the stink
1: face.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that was, like I said, we, we saw you and became fans right away. So it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it, it, the mask and everything. And I think you, you had said, because I told you I thought the mask was cool after the show and you said like yeah it was my first time wearing it and but the theatrics of that and just the, everything about it was really cool it was <laughs> watching the yeah. the the skeleton jaw move up and down Yeah, and I, I, when i found that mask I was like
1: oh my gosh this could be really cool so i like i found it i ordered it and then i had to paint it and i had to fill in the cracks and make mm-hmm. it look like it was all like cracked up and i had to fill in the teeth so the the teeth would stick out and mm-hmm. I had to work on the mask, I, I, and after, it all, the mask is only good for three uses. Oh, really? Because it's a prosthetic, it's made out of latex, okay, so it, it deteriorates, Yeah, and it gets to the point where you cake that spirit glue on, it's mm-hmm. funny that they call it spirit glue, <laughs> or spirit gum, depending yeah. on what brand you buy, and it, um, it only lasts uh, for for three uses because it starts to cake up mm-hmm. on the inside
0: of that. and. And so that's, that's 60 bucks every time I buy that yeah. mask. It, it, and, it, and I remember sure. too, like when you would even take a drink out of your water bottle on stage, that mouth would open. It was like, whoa! <laughs> it, it was it was pretty cool. That's awesome. It,
1: it was awesome. <laughs> did you watch uh, the Rage music video? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's
3: what I was going to get to. Was, uh, so after watching it a few times, I, I really appreciate it. Coming from somebody who plays, you know, I didn't even. Our band, we, we, we are, our guys all move around instrumentally. We play basically in four different projects with the same people. we have <laughs> like, like progressive, we have like ethereal, um, we have like stoner grunge, you know, we have the blues. <laughs> nice. But we can play a lot of it. And so, kind of being on the periphery of music, I always appreciate sure when someone else is playing when they can make a music video so, I think, genuine, like Rage Video is, you know, because. Most music videos, whether they're rock, whatever genre you want to talk about these days, are watered down and kind of flat and disingenuous. You know, and I, I really don't like that. I've, I'm not into that. I'm not a mainstream music listener. You know, I listen to stuff that is on the periphery. And so it made me really appreciate you more when you make these music videos. They're high quality, by the way. Rage is
1: really oh, high fair. quality. <laughs> yeah, I in I
3: built that in a, in a, I did that
1: in a little teeny... I can show you photos of it. Actually, a little green room that I built inside of a barn. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. It's literally filmed in like a four foot by five foot space, like a square box that I did. And the I was going to ask if it looked professional yeah, enough. It, it was
0: because, yeah. like I said, after that show, I started following you and really getting into your music and stuff. So I, I, you had said, you know, there's a new video coming out. I'm like waiting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm waiting yeah. for it. Well, well, it the, was cool. The the whole uh, that's me in.
1: In the mirror without the mask on and with the mask on. Mm-hmm. So I had to do the trick shot. That's why it's in the green screen room. Okay. I don't have actors or anybody <laughs> to come in and help me. My son is the one, is the little boy in the I was oh, going to ask you who the kid the was. Video. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like I did when I was a kid. Like exactly like I did when I was a kid. And so I, I wanted it to seem like, and I didn't want the the story to be ingenuous. I wanted it to be something that was written, the song was written about. Uh-huh. And I wanted it to kind of like lead up through my entire life leading into this part where I'm burning the rage and letting it go. And that's like the symbolism of the whole thing is holding on to that. And as a, So you see me as a kid, like staring in the mirror like saying, you know, like feel your hatred when you look at me and it's writing it all down. And then like you see the skeleton hand come in and grab him on the shoulder when he turns. It's like I'm turning as an adult. Like, well, what the hell is uh-huh. that? Like... I kind of like a flash to the past and it's like I still keep writing. And then as I'm writing, I like look up and I see this thing that's been tormenting me my whole life, which is staring at me in the mirror because all the problems that we have come from inside. So it's Mm. all really symbolic music video about the way that things work. And it's like a relationship between my father and I bleeding over into how I'm fixing it with my son. But it's not, it doesn't talk about my son at all. It's like, it's supposed to be me. And it's leading into how I'm burning and letting that stuff go to not pass that on to my son. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like getting rid of the rage, you know? Like Yeah. like It, it's, it took me like $2,300 to, to film that. Buying all the props, the green screen, mm-hmm. uh, making the mirror. Uh, I had to custom build that little desk with that mirror behind it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like held up with with two, four, uh, four, two by fours total, two on each side, holding up the back part of the desk and that really heavy mirror Uh just sitting there and I painted it all black. (laughs) So like, I'll show you right now the music video, the, the room that I built it in. It's, um, the green screen was about $120 and then I got some plywood and stuff and tried to make it look as professional as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's amazing what I you, what you can mean, do with yeah.
0: little material. I
1: mean, I don't
3: think there was anything generic about it, which is, I really appreciated about it. I loved mm-hmm. it. It was like, man, it's, it's original. <laughs> like it takes a creative mind to build that from scratch. Like you did. Yeah. <laughs> obviously you're a creative guy, you. you're a musician, you know, <laughs> but, awesome. I appreciate but, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, yeah, I think we should share it, his video on, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, if, if
0: you're, I was going to ask you about it. Oh, yeah, if we can awesome. share some of your stuff because the way I've been doing this, we have an Instagram and a Facebook and all that stuff is for the next week, I'll continue to push you. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you're a guest. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share your video yeah, and I'm everything. I'm totally down. That would be badass. Yeah, yeah I, I uh,
1: built it all in this little green room right here. So that was the lighting that I used. Oh, wow. So, that's how big the thing was.
0: That's that's how big the room was. That's, it's, it was teeny. Wow. So, when we're looking at like a three-by-five three, three room. Yeah, the whole thing
1: was like really...
0: Yeah, it was really small. That video yeah. that video turned out... Especially now seeing what you were working with. Yes.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> that, like, that turned out really cool. To be cool. in that little box.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. and to do that music video. I was... When I was really, when I was done with it, I was really grateful. It's
1: like I was able to pull it off. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you when it comes to music stuff, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Like, what what are some of your? So it's kind of crazy.
1: I was never allowed to listen to my own music or like choose what I wanted to listen to until I was like thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, until I went and my brother was working at my grandfather's, so like I went over there for a summer. And he had his trailer, and he was going to Sam Goody in the mall and Logan, uh-huh. and he was buying CDs and stuff. And But before that, I my parents, my dad used to listen to a lot of, um, he's Hispanic, so he listened to a lot of Hispanic music, uh-huh. as well as Manan, which is a really awesome rock band in Spanish that sounds just like American music, like the style of music. Uh-huh. But then my dad also listened to Bob Seger, um, The Eagles. Eric Clapton, um, um, just a lot of really good music. My my mom used to listen to ABBA, The Carpenters, um, Sticks, Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, just just we grew up with a lot like really good music. Areo and ELO, mm-hmm. and then when I got to listen to my own stuff, like I went and checked out a whole bunch of my brother's CDs. I fell in love with Corn. Like Corn mm-hmm. was like the first favorite band that I had. And then later in high school, I, my favorite band turned to Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. I went from Corn to Marilyn Manson to Nine Inch Nails, and then I loved Incubus, Deftones, uh, Brand New. There's there's the receiving end of Sirens. There's a lot of mm-hmm. really
0: really badass bands that so I you, you have a pretty wide genre of music you enjoy oh i think that's important especially for a musician oh yeah i I know me i'm not a musician but i'm kind of the same way i I grew up on like my mom loved like uh alabama like southern (laughs) southern country rock stuff my dad was like a big credence clearwater guy and and a lot of oldies and elvis stuff like that and then as i got a little older i kind of took both those styles of music and got into my own stuff i mean there's I like it. I like oh, I like yeah. some hip-hop. I yeah. like some
3: heavy stuff. That's one of the things, like, growing up young, too. Like, getting into, like, mom got me into, like, Deep Forest, like, great music, man. Just going around the world and getting people's music together and then producing and compiling it. Like, Deep Forest is awesome. The Boheme album is just ridiculous. Still, I still listen to it, you know. And it was one of those days, it was one of those things that helped me learn how to drum. Like, how can I make a patients to this type of music? Hell or is yeah. it possible, you know? Um, and honestly, my biggest influence on playing the drums, even though I played in mostly metal bands, was, uh, Kurt Buford of, uh, from Dave Matthews band. Oh, hell yeah. Like, That's a, super, a phenomenal super, drummer. Super underrated. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, that was one of my biggest influences. Like, if you can play that way, you can play to any style of music. Yeah. If you actually look at the videos of his drum cage, it's like just,
1: it's massive. <laughs> it's like, what the hell has he got back there? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But it's, with that appreciation of all those different varieties of music like i love i've there's so many different genres but like the, the ones that really resonated with me I, that wanted that i made me want to produce the music that i that i produce is i don't i don't ever write a song that's just oh, i'm gonna write a song just to write a song and put a filler on an album mm-hmm. like every song that i write like it's it's like something that that, that means like something mm-hmm. and so like i want to be able to sing something that will Really, really make you feel it, mm-hmm. like, um, like. So, for example, that um, foreigner, that one waiting
2: song. I've been waiting mm-hmm. for a girl like you. Mm-hmm.
1: But he, he's like, there's a part in there where he's like singing, and he does this note change. He's like,
2: yeah, waiting.
1: But the way he's like,
2: waiting.
1: But he, there's one part where he goes,
2: waiting.
1: That it, like, you can just feel the way that he's singing, and then, like, he goes in that... Uh,
2: to make me feel alive.
1: And then, like, that that hold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that way that it makes you feel, and then that build up, and then the...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, that whole vibe of that song, the way you feel, and then the way that he sings to it. Mm-hmm. That connection, like, like, Hotel California, yeah. When, when, when! Oh my gosh! Like you could just feel Don oh, Henley like that, yeah. Like he really experienced that type of an mm-hmm. evening, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, it's it, it,
3: just like the we were just talking about this that we, we were Sweetwood <laughs> Mac Dream song. Yeah, it's on that. Oh my gosh have you seen that have you seen perfect, that, you seen that yeah. viral
0: video that's going around recently With well, the guy who's like shaking his legs is dancing well no this guy so and we just <laughs> found out he's actually in idaho he put this video on tiktok and it went viral and it's this mexican dude on a long board he has a bottle of like ocean spray cranberry juice and fleetwood max plan he's holding his phone out while he's riding drinking it and singing along and the whole vibe of it and that oh, thing went viral over the past couple of weeks. It's everywhere online. <laughs> it's perfect. That's awesome. And <laughs> I've I've seen it multiple times, and then I saw an article that oh, hey, he's from. I think he's from Idaho Falls.
2: Yeah,
0: and so, but I mean, this thing just went. That's, it exploded. That's another
1: he, perfect example. Oh, oh yeah, Fleetwood yeah. Mac yep. song. Like, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: well, dude. and I've seen oh, people. I've seen people online posting like. I didn't even know who Fleetwood Mac was. I saw this video. I'm a Fleetwood Mac fan. No yes, yeah.
2: Stevie Nicks. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I know. Well,
0: we're, We were just talking about this um, with like you were talking about the feeling behind music. Uh, I'm like I said, I have a pretty wide range of music, and there's some country I, I love, but it's you don't hear it on the radio.
1: Like. D- Country, Tim McGraw, don't take the girl. Yeah, that was one that I grew up with. Sorry, No, 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 for me. sure. I <laughs> sure.
0: I grew up on like nineties country too, and I still enjoy it a little bit. But now it seems like, and this, I think this is a lot of genres of music. The stuff that's played on the radio is not the best. so watered down. Oh, Yeah, and, and especially with country music, it's become it's pop. It's but, pop music. And I'm not saying it's a bad there's thing. No there's some country
1: me. that you that you can feel. Oh like man, just, and
0: there's a few artists out right now that. I'm wearing a shirt right now. Sturgill. Sturgill Simpson is this. They call him a country artist. I would not classify him as country. I think they call him country because he's from the South. <laughs> but, I mean, this guy, his first album was almost bluegrass stuff, like real country country. He called his second album Psychedelic Country. He has a song called Turtles All the Way Down. I don't know if you've heard Sturgill Simpson. You <laughs> need to check. You need to hear So, Turtle All the Way Down. <laughs> awesome. that, that whole song, he has a video too, and the video is like a psychedelic trip which i've never been on one but i'm guessing that's what it's like and it's about the whole song is about going on a trip and it's very well written the guy's a really good songwriter so it was psychedelic country then his third album had like a whole horn section trumpets and i mean all that stuff then his most recent one he released he calls it a rock album and i would say it's like 80s new wave mixed i don't it's it's odd. I love it. Uh, he's one of my favorites. But he's got some stuff that you feel. Like oh, you're... man. The, some, the way his voice. And sometimes, I know he's been criticized. He's hard to understand sometimes when he sings. I don't care the way he hits the notes. It just it hits you. And there's him. There's these few artists. And I found out recently they are all been put out by the same producer. Oh, no way. And I read an article that producer was talking about. And he said, you know, the problem in a lot of mainstream music today is producers get in the way. He says, I don't get in the way. I produce what they want to put out and their creativity. And I think that's why these guys, I mean, there's him, there's a guy named Coulter Wall I just got into who sounds like a Johnny Cash when he got older and the <laughs> oh, kid's yeah. like 20 years old. No way. I mean, it's, he has a couple songs and they're, his songs are a little dark. I mean, he has a song called the devil wears a suit and tie. It's a good song. And then there's this guy, uh, Tyler Childers. All these guys are all out of, the same producer, and you don't hear him on the radio. Is that here in Idaho, or no? They're they're nationwide. I mean these these guys are. Do you at, know where the producers out of? I'm or? guessing Nashville, because that's where most of these guys come out of and record. But his name's something Cobb. The producer's yeah, name, yeah, yeah. His last name's Cobb, and. Dave Cobb, I believe. But anyways, I've, I'm i kind of a nerd with stuff. When I get into something, I like to really look into it. And, oh, yeah. And, and I really like these artists. And I found out they're all by the same producer. They, he does have one artist that became really mainstream named Chris Stapleton. I don't know if you've heard him. Oh, that guy, sure. his voice is insane. But he has become very, very mainstream. He's played on the radio and all that. But the other guys, you don't hear him on the radio. You don't hear anything about him. And they have these cult followings. I know Sturgill Simpson was just doing his first tour, arena tour. And with COVID... It got shut down. Yeah, yeah. I had tickets. I was going to Salt Lake to see oh, him. Oh, no way. And, and, uh, Is he, like, completely independent? Uh, so, he was independent. For, like I said, I dove into it for his first two albums, completely independent. He got a record deal for his third album, but they didn't – He, I, I guess they made a deal. They don't touch anything. It's his work. Oh, hell yeah. And it came out so good, but – you don't hear him on the radio. Sometimes you hear him on the alternative station, which is random because he's a country artist.
1: No, I have problems but, with uh,
0: the radio industry. I, I, yes. I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to ask you, because I know you're, you're an independent artist, I have right? really big problems with the way they run things. I, I wanted to ask about like
1: how that all works and all that. Like It's really messed up. They have this thing called Payola, like pay for play. You can't do it. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. But I've been to a few conventions and i've seen the way that record labels deal with rock radio uh program directors and music direct like supervisors and music directors and whatnot <laughs> it's like oh yeah let's go out to dinner and let's talk you know and there's a lot of different ways you can go about it but the gist of it i also took want somebody down with me this last time and what we got from it this time was that they all get together and they're like oh well, you will know, send a donation to your radio station and uh you know, we'll do some advertising for some of our artists. You know, we'll pay you to do the advertising ads and to run the airtime. But you know, we'll give you this this amount for a donation. But we, you know, we also have this band that's coming out. and We really like to hear this song during drive time. You know, mm-hmm. like well, that's a, you know, they don't really come out and say, "Hey, we'll pay you this to play this during that time." But like when you're when you're in that, it's like it it's it's kind of messed up because I've I've gotten to the point where. I have stuff that, that is definitely commercially viable. And I had that one song in my mind off my first album, Resurrecting the Mind, that I released on a single with the vanity. Mm -hmm. That song in my mind went to number eight on the top 20 on the BBC Radio One network in Beirut, Lebanon. And I had the proof and I would show all these radio stations here, but oh, it's corporate. It's a corporate decision. All these program directors and music directors, like, oh, well. It's corporate. It has to be solicited,
2: mm-hmm. meaning
1: that we're if you don't know somebody from the station or they like someone that they know. If nobody that they know gives them the sequence and says, "Hey, you should check this out," and possibly play it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then it's not solicited. It's unsolicited. So if you send in an album or three albums and say, "Hey, you know, this is my stuff. Is there anything you could play on there?" If they don't know you and they're not expecting it, they're just going to throw it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. They're, that's just their policy now because they have a lot of people that. A lot of crazy people have messed that up before where they send stuff in and then people listen to it and then all of a sudden they call in, oh, that sounds like my my song, blah, 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 plagiarism. So mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of different stuff that's gone on. They just don't do that anymore. It's like a policy. So it's, it's really difficult to get in with radio stations that'll play your stuff. Mm-hmm. Like K-Bear up in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. I got on there like, Salt Lake Soundcheck, like the local stuff on the weekend. And while I was there, I was talking to the guy off air, and uh, his name's Quirky. And uh, and I was like, hey, you know, like, why can't I get my stuff to play during drive time or be put in rotation? He's like, honestly, it's a corporate decision. Mm -hmm. I have the Rage, the Rage song. Mm -hmm. So before it was even released or available for anybody to download, um, it was put in a cage match on X rock mm-hmm. seven nights in a row. Yeah. And I won every single night. I remember hearing it. On yeah. That, yes. yeah. So I, re- I retired as champion mm-hmm. on the cage match and they don't allow independent artists on the cage match. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty freaking huge in my, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Cause it would Jamie Josta from hate breed. It beat, um, I need to pull up the list to see exactly who, cause as soon as I start thinking about it, it, mm-hmm. gets, it all goes away. But, uh, There was seven really good artists that 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 it beat, and and then when I try to say, "Hey, you know," like try to tell X Rock um, now that it's been released and it has over one hundred and nineteen thousand views on YouTube without any radio play. Since Mm -hmm. it's been released, well, hardly any radio play. They play it every now and then, Mm -hmm. but. It's like, why, why don't you put it in rotation during drive time? Can you just try it for, like, a week during drive time just to mm-hmm. see how it does? Meaning, like, during rush hour, yeah. Right? yeah. People actually driving. And they all give me the same response. It's like, no, not unless you have at least four or five radio mm-hmm. stations. You have to have a handful of radio stations doing it. It's like, well, if I have you and K-ber, cause k because Victor Will from k mm-hmm. he helps every now and then playing A Dead Desire as well. So it's like, well, if if i can get at least one more radio station what, would you be able to do it and they're like no you have to you have to hire an indie promoter wow um, so it's all it's all politics right? it's all politics yeah. it's kind of the point where it's like they and i know the reason why that's it's very obvious why cuz the amount of money that an artist makes is ridiculously insane mm-hmm. Brent, you know an artist brantley and gilbert is that his name Familiar. Bradley Gilbert or Bradley Gilbert. Yeah, I, like I think I've heard the name. Yeah. He's a country singer, and apparently, um, apparently, when he when he does uh, a show, a uh, sold out stadium for like fifty thousand people, or whatever, depending on the demographic where it is, he makes anywhere from fifteen to nineteen million dollars a
2: show. Jeez.
1: <laughs> so, like, that's 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 crazy, and he's signed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the, I mean, it's crazy when you think about the amount of money, like licensing, li- like licensing deals in TV, it's $250 a minute wow. that, that the song is played. So, like, if you got a car commercial, I went to a LightSpark Media Summit and there was a professor talking to us about it there um, during one of his presentations saying that if you have a song that is played on a car commercial, let's say for your half, like 30 seconds, a 30 second car commercial. And they play that 20 times in a 24 hour period. That's 10 minutes. That's $2,500 a day just from one station. If
2: uh-huh. you got
1: 10 stations playing it a day, that's $25,000 in one day uh-huh. from one song. Then if you add that up and they pay you out quarterly every three months, when you, when you add that up to $25,000 a day, it equals up to like $2,250,000 $2, in three months. They'll pay you out. Wow. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. That's just off of a 30-second clip of your music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just one car commercial. When they, when they sign people, they put them in everything. They, they put them all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's licensing. There's there the music. I mean, playing live music, yeah, you get money from it. But like you the real money is in licensing. And also <laughs> It's kind of lame the whole the way the whole thing is set up it's it's really kind of frustrating because I have everything that I've done for a dead desire completely independently I'm the sole member of the band mm-hmm. I I write them the music but then I also um, I'll have um, like the studio musicians come in like I have a drummer like I'll have like a main beat like I want like um, I'll say like like for killing the king I want it to come in
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And, then like, and he'll go in and he'll he'll do that, but he'll add his little accents, little things that he does, and he like spices it up. And it's like, hell yeah, that sounds badass. Yeah. I'll get the, the bassist in there uh, of the first and second album. It was the producer, Joe Pack. And I'd say, this is kind of what I want. And I'd give him the basis for it. But then he'd add in little slides and hammer-ons and stuff. It's like, hell yeah. And it made it that much better. And... It's a lot more efficient for me to hire the studio musicians and have them just professionally come in and blast it all out than me trying to pay $75 an hour and taking multiple four-minute takes on every single Mm -hmm. song. You know what I mean? So it's, it's it's more cost effective to hire studio musicians to come in and play it all out for me while I'm in there.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And uh, how does that work for like your live shows? Because like I said, the time I saw you, it it's was just, just all you. Me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I've never
1: done the full
0: like a, a live show with a full band. Like, uh, okay. It sucks. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. I don't know, man. That time I saw you, and it was just you and your guitar up there. It was,
2: yeah.
0: like I said, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, yeah a lot of people
1: say that like it's not what they expect and they actually really like the fact that it was just me because it's really intimate but at mm-hmm. the same time it's like eventually i want to get it to the point where i am dressed up as sir avley moon in that outfit that's on the rage music video with the mm-hmm. top hat and the cane and everything and just singing as and performing as an artist and a performer an mm-hmm. entertainer while having the whole music taken care of yeah yeah Kind of like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. He's like the front man. He writes all the the stuff. That's one of my huge inspirations Mm -hmm. is Trent Reznor. But that's, I want to be able to perform and actually get into the music and freaking feel it. Because when I'm playing my guitar, I like let it get in the way of the way (laughs) I feel. It's so weird trying to explain it. It's like, when I'm playing and I'm singing, it's like, (sighs) but then I got to focus so I don't, over
3: blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. No, I, I think it'd be really cool to eventually, yeah, get, yeah, just get them together and do the, do the thing and let yourself just, you know, kind of free yourself <laughs> of that, like you're saying. And, yeah, that'd be sweet to go watch anyway, mm-hmm. at least. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how's that how's that been with no live music going on and stuff
0: like that? Is oh, that yeah. driving you nuts Oh, or? Yeah. It's
1: it's really, really
0: lame. I know I know <laughs> there are a few places doing some small small shows yeah. and stuff, but
1: it's 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 not worth it though to, to like set up something and then risk driving because of the COVID thing, it's got so many people scared and yep. like it's it's really kinda just ridiculous the whole thing, but um this apparently this month there's supposed to be some really powerful stuff happening, energetic wise, <laughs> and spiritual wise. That I'm pretty excited for. It's mm-hmm. going to happen around the 16th, 17th, or 18th of this month, mm-hmm. it's the, around the time of the new moon.
2: It just happens to
1: line up with a lot of other events, like <laughs> astronomical events and astrological events. It's it's crazy the way that everything is just pointing to the center of October. Is like it's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, I think I think there are people who are. Scared to go in public spaces and stuff like that, but I think I think it'll all come back.
2: Oh yeah, I've been going
0: to
1: ayahuasca ceremonies every month. There is like over a hundred people there sometimes, mm-hmm. and everybody—it's crazy. The whole COVID nineteen thing is just—it's unfortunate. It, it is, but the, the spiritual stuff, like <laughs> the seventeenth, I am just excited for it. Like mm-hmm. there is uh, so. Apparently we're supposed to be like intermittent fasting and stuff for you know intermittent fasting. Is oh yeah. To keep putting your state, and your body in ketosis and everything, but the sixteen hours fasting if you're doing that, everybody everything should be okay, I guess for your body because there's like a huge shift of energy that's about to happen. So if, have you ever heard of the Ophiuchus, the thirteenth zodiac sign? Mm-mm. Okay, so you can look it up. You can Google Ophi um... It's O P H I U C U S, and um, it's the serpent bearer. I mean, when this constellation shows up, it doesn't show up very often. But when it does, it's 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 not a good, it's not the best thing. <laughs> and we're we're in Scorpio right now. Scorpio is a violent sign. It's the scorpion. It's like a it's like a offensive sign. And then you have. Uh, mars is in retrograde right now and on the 13th of october mercury will also go into retrograde so there's going to be two planets in retrograde at the same time with Ophiuchus in scorpio and so like, there's this huge astronomical thing that's happening towards the very center of october that lines up with all the ceremonies that are going on and because there's a ceremony that weekend that i'm going to and mm-hmm. it's it's crazy the way that everything is lining up is pretty awesome, but uh,
0: hmm. yeah. Sorry, I keep going off. On t- oh t- no, you good, man. Just, I, I think <laughs> it's, I think it's cool when people are. I guess you call it spiritual. Oh, yeah. and I mean everybody. I think everybody has should have something to believe in. Something. Oh to, yeah. We were talking about that in our last episode about religion and stuff. How we don't. Neither of us are religious people, but I think it's good for people to have some somewhere to oh, put yeah. their values and keep them. On a
1: path yeah I don't know? consider myself religious but I definitely consider myself a spiritual person I yeah. was raised LDS my name is Moroni mm. so <laughs> son of Mormon you know like that's but uh, <laughs> the whole the whole uh, thing about it is I've, I've been really um, intent on like f- figuring out the whole thing spirituality and everything and I've I've literally dived in and researched every single religion and all of the stuff that i've that i've that i've come up to that i've come to the conclusion of is from this book called the holy science which basically ties everything together which is the holy science was a book written by Sri Yukteswar Giri the guru of Paramahansa Yogananda the guy who wrote autobiography of a yogi autobiography of a yogi is who george harrison of the beatles recommended that book to everybody uh-huh. who he felt like needed a re-grooving. they were in a funk He'd keep piles of that book, and he'd give it out. Um, another person, Steve Jobs, that was when he died, He would, that was the only book that was on his books, his digital books, was Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh, wow. Um, there's all, if you look up Autobiography of a Yogi, there's a lot of really important people that follow the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Mm-hmm. His guru wrote a book called The Holy Science, which is a comparison of the scriptures, the Christianity scriptures, and the Hindu scriptures. Krishna's teachings with Christ's teaching. it's funny because they're Krishna, Christian Christ, it's very similar and when you get into it it's it's mind blowing they, they talk about the exact same stuff they it's all promoted about love and so basically what the holy science is is that every religion that's based on this core principle is based, sorry, every core principle is based on love is true um, <laughs> with the uh, Every religion that's based on love is true, and anything that takes away your free agency is of the devil. It's obviously, it's like what it talks about in like Ezekiel, where or, or Lucifer says, you know, send me, and I'll make them worship you. And then Christ steps forward and says, send me, and I'll give them a choice. Basically, I'll give them free agency to choose whether they want to be. And that's what God favored was Christ's decision. So Lucifer got upset and started the war in heaven and said, I'm going to exalt myself above you. Cast out of heaven, took a third of the host of the kingdom of heaven with him. Um, but if you look at the whole thing, it's very similar to like Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, which is like God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Spirit. They're all the, it's all the same thing. So Christ is going to be the one to destroy the earth. He built the earth; is going to be the one to destroy it. Krishna, there's there's um, all, all of it is is. <laughs> so I wish I, wish I could, could put it all in a way where it makes perfect sense the way that Sri Yukteswar Diri does but he uses some words that I had to get a dictionary
2: and actually <laughs> read
1: the Holy S- it's only yeah. 70 pages but it took me like a month to read the book mm-hmm. because you get to some words and like what does that mean you have to get the definition and fill it in spirituality at it's core is just Love and the purpose of this life, what, what it gets down to is the holy in the holy science is what Christ and Krishna are talking about is that the purpose of this life is to realize that we are God, that we are all the His consciousness, we're all the, the sons and daughters of God. Um, that it, that the purpose is to realize that to realize that you are me and that I am the you, and that every living thing, even trees, animals, like we're all connected and that we're all a certain vibration. We're all frequency connected to the exact same thing. We're all the only begotten son. It doesn't mean that he's the only son of God. So we're all sons. Of the, there's only one consciousness, which is the OM, that sound that was the, the big bang, that oh, That was, <laughs> so it's, it's weird to try to get the whole thing. It, it, it's so if you have the ocean and you have, let's say that, can of soda and you, you 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 put that in there and you fill it up with the ocean water, you set it aside, you empty this out you, you put the ocean water, you set it there you have the can, you have this, you put the ocean water in it. It's all the same ocean water just in a different vessel that's how we are. We're all connected we all have that essence, that source in us and when we die we merge back to it because energy can never be destroyed it can only be transmuted or transformed and so it's, it's really crazy when you get into it the, the whole thing of us the kingdom of heaven is actually within us and the way that, the way that it's worded in there is so profound there's like once you get to this state called Samadhi which is basically this understanding where your consciousness is mer- merged with the only begotten like you hear the sound of rushing waters you hear the sound of like like a knocking like the gears of the universe like are, are changing that's why it says in the scriptures if I knock, Whoever opens up unto me, I will come in and I will sup with him. So if you, like, hear that in your meditation and you open your heart to that, that's, like, that's definitely what you should do is let that into you because you will be filled with that omnipotence. You'll be filled with that complete understanding. And so in that state of Samadhi and the Holy Science says when you get to that state, you have, you gain eight abilities, and that's the ability to, make yourself as big as the biggest giant that's ever lived or to shrink yourself to the size of the smallest atom. Like you can basically go invisible. If you choose to just turn yourself into an atom, you can make yourself as heavy as a rock. So nobody can lift you up or you can levitate You can become as light as a feather. You can levitate. You can use the prana and the life force that's in your area to manipulate the atoms and turn certain objects into whatever it is that you're thinking so like a a loaf of a rock into a loaf of bread or water into wine Um, there's the ability to control the elements so and then when you look at this it's like oh wait a minute Christ turned water into wine Christ was able to calm the seas Christ was able to do all these things that it talks about in the holy science that Krishna talks about in the Hindi scriptures it's all there and, the, and then you look at the scriptures and people overlook the New Testament because I've read the New Testament in depth and it's funny because it talks about a lot of stuff that a lot yeah. of people don't talk about like Christ straight up comes out and says have I not said that ye are gods he's like verily I say unto you all uh, if you do the things that I have told you all the things that I have done ye shall do also yea even greater things but if I was to come out and go to all these Mormons <laughs> or anybody who's religious and say well, I do believe in Christ, and I do believe what he said, and I can do greater things than Christ.
2: <gasps> oh,
1: you're uh, it's abomination, but, uh, <laughs> you're saying that you're better than... No. I'm actually repeating what he said, that if you actually do his teachings, then you can... That's what taking upon you the name of Christ is, is you take upon you the name of the Christ consciousness. You become that consciousness, and you're able to heal. You're able to do all the things that he did, but even greater things. When people don't People totally overlook that scripture. It's like it doesn't exist. People totally overlook the scripture in Genesis, the the Old Testament, where he says, God says, let us make man in our image. So there's God, there's the only begotten, there's the Christ Christ consciousness, which is God and the spirit and everything. He created all these other gods, because there's 33 gods in the Vedic text, all the monitor the hours and the chakras and everything that it's it's crazy when you get into it but like there's there's gods that were in all very similar and we were made in their image and uh, it gets really scary when you realize the reason why that is and all the the reasons uh, like they're trying to promote um, homosexuality. I don't have anything against homosexuality, just so you guys know. <laughs> but like, because I have a lot of gay friends and stuff, but where I stand on that is like I believe that men and women are born with more masculine and feminine qualities and traits, and their purpose is to balance that out. So, for example, the reason why I state that is because I've read the scriptures and, and everything where it leads up to this one specific story, which is King David. So, in Leviticus, it straight up says, "For a man to lay with a man, as he lays with a woman, is abomination in the sight of God." And when you get to the, I think it's in Samuel or in Kings, there's it, it talks about King David how after he kills Goliath, which is symbolic of him like mastering his five senses, the because he takes five stones and he he slays the giant, so he like controls his. Slaying the giants also like symbolic of slaying the ego. But when he does this, King Saul has a son named Jonathan, and when Jonathan and, and Saul's son, uh, no wait, when David and Saul's son Jonathan meet, they fall in love, and it says they loved they they loved each other. And it's just as you're reading it, you're like, oh, it's weird. They keep on making it very known that they love each other. It's but they don't really when they when they in the scriptures if you're familiar with it when they introduce someone like a new character, it's like. He was a, a, a bold man of great stature. He was a warrior. And, uh, you know, he it describes him as masculine. When it introduces David, it, it literally introduces him as, as a feminine, like uh, a petite, young boy of a fair countenance. <laughs> he ends up falling in love with Jonathan, the son of Saul. And he says to Jonathan... Though God be between my seed and thy seed, I'll always love thee. Something very similar to that, and it's like, and then it says they fall on each other and they kiss. And normally when you know, like it says they kiss. It's like I kissed her on the brow, I kissed her on the cheek. But no, they just fall on each other and kiss. And it's like, oh, it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? And then they go their separate ways. But David balanced his homosexuality and acknowledged that that was wrong. The Leviticus thing, he knew from Leviticus because. The f- that's the law that was the law back then and so he balances homosexuality and by doing so he gave birth to the greatest king that ever lived solomon the soul of man like everything that that like <laughs> all the greatest kings lead up to basically solomon and solomon is the result of him balancing that that energy nowadays with our government and the programming, they literally want us to smoke cigarettes. They literally want us to drink alcohol. They, I don't think it, it doesn't say anywhere, I don't, at least I don't remember it saying anywhere in the Old Testament about females being with females, but it definitely says that for a man to be with a man is abomination to the sight of God because they contain the seed. And that whole thing, I was just like, oh, that's kind of mind-blowing. And I don't have anything against homosexuals, like I said, by any means. I'm not a... What's that word? Homophobe?
3: Huh? Homophobe? Yeah, I'm not a homophobe.
1: Yeah. I'm not prejudiced to that, that lifestyle or anything. I just... Like, there are some women that are born with androgyny. Same thing with men. Mm-hmm. Some women are born with more masculine qualities, you know. But the, the purpose of life is to balance that. and And it's... <laughs> This this topic is very sensitive because a lot of people, it's a very controversial topic. Cause, but but when you actually do the research and you dive into it and you see why this is the case and this is why they're doing things, they want people to be drinking right now. They want people to be unprepared for what's going to happen. This is huge shift of energy going into the fourth density apparently, which is like our planet is basically giving birth and pushing through a very rough time right now, as everybody can tell. <laughs> it's like really struggling. And the collective consciousness is actually really uh, doing its best to not be taken over by the force, this force of evil, apparently. Like, so,
0: And there's so much stuff to
1: cover. <laughs> what time are we at? So, wanna... We're
0: actually, we're actually over an hour. So oh. we'll probably start wrapping up a little bit. I know I want to. I want you to play a song for us. <laughs> I'm down. But uh, censorship's
1: like a real thing because mm-hmm. uh, that here comes the rain again music video that I did. Um, Ollie Herbert from All That Remains. Mm-hmm. As soon as we released that, within the first two weeks, it had twenty two thousand views, mm-hmm. and then it just stopped. Literally, like, and it's still at twenty three thousand views. There's it, it like completely stopped. Um, I actually had to use, watching The Social Dilemma, learning a little bit about the artificial intelligence. That's what I've actually been researching the Mm -hmm. last little while is how to use it to my benefit. Mm -hmm. So I've been using Google AdWords and stuff to get it in front of the people that actually can make Rage make a difference Mm -hmm. or make my music make a difference. Mm -hmm. So like I target through Google AdWords and it literally... Went from eight thousand views within a month and a half. It went up to a hundred thousand views, and then once the the ad stopped, nineteen thousand views just trickled in afterwards. <laughs> so It's just kind of like that's awesome, you yeah, know what I mean? A, there's a whole
0: algorithm
1: and all that, a specific algorithm. Crazy. And so, like what they were saying on the social dilemma is there's like these noms that you can like fine tune, and, and there really are. <laughs> that's what I'm learning yeah. how to do is to get into the Facebook Ads Manager and target the specific people that have been known to click on Spotify links in their Facebook feed and then buy content mm-hmm. from those specific ads. And that's what I'm learning how to do right now, which will help me go around the censorship issue. Cause mm-hmm. at this point I'll be paying and using their algorithm. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So <laughs> speaking of that, I guess this is a good time to where can people find you? Like how can they um, get a hold of you? If they want to get a hold of me, they can send
1: me an uh, an email on the the contact us link on Mm -hmm. adeaddesire.com. They can always message Moroni Silva on Facebook, but it's kind of, the best way to do it is to do the contact us because I get a direct email, Mm -hmm. whereas if you go to a dead desire's messaging or my Moroni Silva's messaging, it'll go into message requests and there's a chance that I won't see those for weeks. Mm Um, but yeah, I'm on uh, Spotify, Google Play. The best one, if they, like fans really want to help out, is iTunes. Mm-hmm. If uh, they download from iTunes or Apple Music, it actually helps me out more than all the other platforms. Cool, oh, cool. good to know. Yeah. It's monetarily a lot more beneficial mm-hmm. than like Spotify. Spotify. I, I I want to do an experiment and see if I can get like five people in a room that have Spotify Premium and then record it and. Mark the date and then watch them all download the songs from Spotify
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then wait two to three months and see if there's a spike in that because I've watched two people on the same day download all of my material mm-hmm. and then three months later, it still hasn't reported it.
2: Oh,
0: well, I just don't. They just, it's really, really weird. <laughs> the whole, it sucks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So all the music apps, especially Apple and iTunes, you said? Oh, yeah. And you're on Facebook, Instagram, all that oh, good yeah. stuff. So I guess you want to play us out with a song? Oh, yeah. I'm I totally gu- I guess we'll end it with that. And I'm going to say, like I say at the end of every episode, before you play is be nice to people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah.
0: And you want us to leave these mics on?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. This song, uh, it's actually um, written about, uh, it's dedicated to, to basically suicide prevention. I was having a really, really hard time when I wrote this one. And uh, right before actually doing anything crazy what I was getting ready to do, I actually got reached out to by a fan who, like, ended up saying, like, oh, you know, I just wanted to reach out and let you know that your music's impacted my life. And then they sent this long message, and then right after that, you know, I got another message saying, I guess I just wanted to say thank you for existing. And it was like... It's like, why would you, why would you even, why would you send me that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would you do that right now? And so I went and I processed and I pushed through all that. This was like a year, year ago that I wrote this. And it's called Hollow. And that's actually the song I came up here to do the strings for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this song uh, is basically dedicated to anybody who struggles with depression or suicidal thoughts or anything. It's dedicated to Advocating against, uh, suicide, I guess. However you want to. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's called hollow and it goes like this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs>